0: I came in this morning that I may have done a less than average thing. It seemed like a good idea at the time to put these golf balls on all the seats. And they are for you. There should be enough for everyone. Know they are not to throw at me if you disagree with something that I say. There really is a point. But then I realized some of them are on the floor. So if you didn't get a golf ball, it could be under your seat. Um, I purposely didn't put any on the front row because you guys are way too close and... You still could catch me with one. So there's a point to the golf ball. We'll get to that here shortly. As we start out our series on the secrets of prayer. I've noticed some things in the past few years. I don't know about you, but I've noticed something about my own prayers. I've noticed some things about the prayers that I've heard on TV. I've noticed something about your prayers I've noticed things about the prayers of the people that we receive prayer requests on our, on our website. And I don't want to sound like a jerk, but I'll just say this. Many times when I pray, or when you pray, or when I hear other people pray, or when I hear even various prayer requests, it seems that we have forgotten who it is we're talking to. We've settled our minds on this thought that God is our best friend and that we can just casually walk up to Him and be like, Hey, Lord, how about you just take care of this for me? And then we move on. Now, I know I need to tread lightly here because we really should be talking to God and we should be trusting in Him to do what He says He's going to do and we should have a relationship with Him. But we should not forget who we're talking to. It seems to me we're really good at telling God what we want or what we think we need. We tell him how he should answer our prayers sometimes. We we like to give him directions for the situation that we're in. Oh, Lord, if you help me pass this test that I didn't study for, I promise next time I'll study. Or, oh, Lord, if you get me out of this traffic ticket, I'll stop speeding. Or whatever the situation might be. We tend to bargain with God like like that's how he works. But the question I want you to answer today as we look at the secrets of prayer is a very simple one. When you pray, where is your focus? Is it in the answer to your prayer? Because a lot of people will pray only focusing on the answer. Dear Lord, if it's your will, heal me in this situation. Dear Lord, if it's your will, let this happen. We focus on the answer. So do you focus on the answer to your prayer or is your focus on the one who will provide the answer? It's something I want you to think about. And the secret that I want to share with you today about the secret of prayer is humility. When it comes to understanding the secrets of prayer, I think we need to start with humility. We need to prepare ourselves to humble ourselves. We need to know who we're talking to. We must, in essence, know who we are and we must know where our focus is. Will you pray with me? Father God, thank you for hearing our prayers. Thank you for answering our prayers. Thank you for being patient with us when we try to boss you around or tell you how to answer our prayers, and thank you for continuing to give us second chances to get things right. I pray, Lord, that as we look at your word, as we look at your universe, as we look. At what scripture has revealed to us in understanding prayer, that we will begin to come to you, focusing on you rather than the desired outcome, and knowing that when we say something like, Your will be done, we're okay with it. It's in your Son's name we pray. Amen. I think in order to really understand why we should approach God in prayer with humility, it will serve us well if we take this morning as a reminder of the fact that the God we worship is far beyond what we could ever imagine. We worship a massive, huge God. He's indescribable. We, we try to describe Him in songs and poems, but he's, just, he's indescribable. And He's this huge, massive God of mercy and grace. And He wants us to communicate with Him. But He does not need us to boss Him around. This morning, I want to give you a solid perspective of who we are praying to, and I have to tell you beforehand, parts of this message I borrowed from Louis Giglio. I let him do all the science research for this, because he's got a writing team and a research team, and he found out some really cool stuff about the universe that we live in. As we look out and start this off, we're going to start off in space, and we're going to bring our way back onto earth, and hopefully your mind will be blown as mine was in looking at some of these facts as we understand how we should approach God with humility, I want to start out in Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. The funny thing about light is it's fast. You see, light travels at 186,000 miles a second. That's how fast light travels. Now, in one year, light travels 5.88 trillion miles. You're not impressed yet, okay? I guess it's because we're used to measuring things with rulers and tape measures and yardsticks. But when we start discussing the things of God, the yardstick and the mile have no value. So I want to share some things with you because they're too small. We need to be using a ruler called the light year, 5.88 trillion miles long. That's a big ruler. Maybe this will help. This first image I want to share with you is called the Whirlpool Galaxy. Just take a moment and soak that in. The screen does not do it justice. Let me just tell you that. This is called the Darling of Astronomy. You see, the Whirlpool Galaxy is only 31 light years away from us. So it's not that far. It contains this little whirlpool galaxy. Just this one galaxy contains over 300 billion stars. Okay, you're still not impressed. Very good. I was geeking out over this stuff. <laughs> the whirlpool galaxy is one of hundreds of billions of galaxies in the known universe that our God has made. And in this in and of itself should remind us just how big our God is. He's enormous. This is just one of many, many galaxies. Now, here's a cool thing. At the center of the Whirlpool Galaxy, inside the white core, you see the little white right in the middle, uh, there's a black hole. You can't see that yet, but you will in a second. And NASA, with the Hubble telescope, decided they were going to take a picture of the black hole inside the Whirlpool Galaxy. And this is an image that the Hubble telescope got of the inside of the Whirlpool Galaxy. Go ahead. Yeah. I didn't make this up. The best part about this, this is just an illustration, an example, if you will, of the glory of God, the grandeur of God, the grace of God, and the mercy of God everywhere we look. And the best part is the government, they paid for that. (laughs) Well, we did. Our taxes paid for it. But I love this. I preached in January about the secrets of worship. And I talked about how our we're always looking into space for intelligent life forms. And every time we look into space, something like this comes back to us. I think it's amazing. This morning, we're going to look at four stars in particular out in space. And the first star we're going to look at is one that you all know and love. You've become very familiar with it over your lifetime. You should be very familiar with this star. It's called the sun. There it is. The yellow one is the sun. Now... If the sun was the only physical example we had of how big and how amazing our God is, you would think that would be enough. It's fiercer than what we give it credit for. It's 10,000 degrees on the surface of the sun. I don't know who measured that, but that's hot. The sun is 93 million light years away from us, or excuse me, 93 million miles away from us. Light traveling 186,000 miles a second from the sun takes eight minutes to reach the earth. The sun is a million times the size of the earth. Okay. Let me explain to you this way and just how cool this is. If the sun were just a fraction closer or a fraction farther away from the earth, we would burn up in the summer and we would freeze in the winter. See, God knew what He was doing. Psalm 33, 6 says, By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. Their starry host, by the breath of His mouth, now, let me put this into perspective for you. Go ahead and pick up your golf ball. Now, I've carried mine around a lot, and apparently, even in Sharpie, it should say earth, but now my hand says earth because I was carrying it, but it's backwards. And put this in perspective for you. If the earth were the size of the golf ball that you're holding in your hand, the sun would be 15 feet in diameter. See, we can, we can wrap our minds around that. Earth, 15 feet most of us can gauge that fairly well. Here's the cool thing. If that were the case, 960,000 Earths would fit inside the sun. That's enough golf balls to fill a school bus with golf balls. That's impressive. Our sun is just one of hundreds of billions of stars in the Milky Way galaxy, which is the Milky Way's like our little cul-de-sac. It's our neighborhood of space, if you will. The cosmos that God has made. Now, the sun is impressive, but I want to show you another star. This one's called Betelgeuse or Betelgeuse, depending on where you're from. If you're from up north, but down here we call it Betelgeuse. This is Betelgeuse. It's beautiful. It's, it's brilliant. Betelgeuse is 427 light years away. It's twice the size of the Earth's orbit around the sun. Not twice the size of the Earth, twice the size of the Earth's orbit around the sun, okay? That perspective, if the Earth was a golf ball, Betelgeuse would be the height of six Empire State Buildings on top of each other. So you can go to New York, you can take your golf ball, and you can put it at the base of the Empire State Building, and you can look up and count six Empire State Buildings high. That puts in perspective the size of Betelgeuse, the size of Earth, okay? That's, it, it's impressive, Now, in case you're wondering, the Empire State Building is 1,454 feet tall. Multiply that by six, and this golf ball, you can figure it all out because some of you are smarter than me. I just had to take Louie's word for it. Now, 262 trillion Earths could fit inside this star if the Earth was a golf ball. Isn't that crazy? That's enough golf balls to fill up the Superdome in New Orleans 3,000 times. See, now you're starting to get a glimpse of just how big this stuff is. It's just floating around in space. Now, those are nice. But this next star is called Musifi. I like it. It reminds me of the Lion King. (laughs) Musifi. (laughs) It's also known as Herschel's Garnet Star because I guess Herschel was the guy who found it. And he thought, "Ooh, it's red. We'll call it Garnet Star. I like Musifi. This star is 300 light years away. When you look at this star, it's not just twinkle, twinkle, little star. How I wonder what you are. You're huge. You're massive. You're ferocious. That's what you are. This star perspective, if the earth was a golf ball, hold up your earth. If this was the earth, all right, Musifi would be the width of two Golden Gate bridges end to end. That's 8,981 feet times two. Pretty close to three miles if you're adding all this up. That's how big this star is. Now before I share with you how many golf ball sized earths would fit into this star, I have to, actually in the circumference of Musifi, I have to help you understand something. It's called quadrillion and for that I'm going to need a volunteer and I've already picked out my volunteer. Aaron, come on up. He's only here because he's got a watch and he's in the front row. This is my friend Aaron. Everybody say hi to Aaron. Aaron. All right, here we go. Aaron, this one's yours. It's just not too close. It's very sensitive. All right, check your watch. Check your watch. Okay, are you ready? What time is it?
1: It is 11.38 and 47 seconds. 11.38 and 47 seconds, okay.
0: What time was it 60 seconds ago? 11.37 and 52 seconds. Okay, what time was it, oh, let's say a 1,000 seconds ago? <laughs> Smart guy. <laughs> it was roughly 16 minutes and 40 seconds ago. All right, stay with me. What time do you think it was a million seconds ago? Just throw throw out a number. A million seconds ago. That's
1: not a year, is it? No,
0: not quite. It's, it's only 12 days. Yeah. Ah, a million seconds, 12 days ago. Now, what time was it a billion seconds ago? A billion seconds ago, what time do you think it was? Just. <laughs> Thousand? Not quite. A little high. About a, thou- about a billion seconds ago was August 1984. One of the best years ever, by the way. 1984, you can't go wrong. Oh, yes, how about a trillion seconds ago? If, a, if a, a billion seconds was August 1984. By the way, that was almost 13 years ago. All right. So, billion seconds was August 1984. I don't look at the notes. You'll get the cheat. <laughs> how, how long ago was a trillion seconds? Something close to, like, I'd say 600, uh, 31,709 years ago. So, I don't know what you were saying, but, you know. <laughs> now, let me explain it to you this way. A trillion seconds ago, the pyramids had not yet been built. Okay? A trillion seconds ago would be 10,000 years before the cave paintings that we found in France even begun. The saber-toothed tigers were still prowling around on the planet. One last question. How long ago was a quadrillion seconds? A thousand times a trillion. Close. (laughs) 30,800,000 years ago would be a quadrillion seconds. All right? So now that you all remember all of those, thank you, Aaron, by the way. We appreciate that. I can help you out with this. 2.7 quadrillion Earths would fit inside the circumference of Musifi. Anybody else's mind blown yet? Because I'm just thinking, whoa. Huh? I don't know. It's a different study. You let me know next week. And here's the thing. This is not even the biggest star that we found. The biggest star we found discovered by science so far is called Canis Majoris. This is it. This next one. And it's beautiful, and it's huge. I call this the Big Dog Star because it's just—they haven't found a bigger one. Perspective: Canis Majoris. If the Earth was a golf ball, Canis Majoris would be the height of Mount Everest. That's the tallest mountain or highest point on the planet. Six miles, seven quadrillion Earths would fit inside Canis Majoris. That's enough Earths to cover the entire state of Texas in golf balls 22 inches deep. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Our God created these things. Brothers and sisters, we are living on a privileged planet. When we start comparing planets in our own solar system and what they have versus what we have, we're just this little... We're just a little golf ball sized planet floating around in all this stuff, Mercury, Venus, Earth, Mars, Neptune, Saturn, Jupiter, all the way to our sun. And then our sun compared to other stars like Sirius and Pollux and Acturus and Regal and stars I haven't even mentioned, Canis Majoris. At this point, if we were to show you a lineup, we could not even mark on a screen with a sharpie the approximate size of our sun. In comparison to Canis Majoris, that's how much bigger it is to the size of the sun. And right about now, a shrinking feeling should be coming over us. A good shrinking feeling. You see, knowing how big these physical things are, knowing that our God created them, it should be all we need to begin praying to him with humility. But we have a problem. It's sin. Sin has a way of of shrinking God. Sin has a way of taking something like Canis Majoris and putting it down on a postage stamp. Sin it shrinks God in our minds, and it it puffs us up in our own estimation. But just a glance into the universe that God has made, and it kind of resizes everything, doesn't it? Isaiah verse forty, chapter or excuse me, chapter forty, verse twelve says. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand? I love that. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand, or with the breadth of his hand, the breadth of his hand marked off the heavens? Our God is impressive, no doubt. He goes on, it says Who has held the dust of the earth in a basket or weighed the mountains on the scales and the hills in a balance? Brothers and sisters, we need to understand that we worship an unrivaled, uncontested God, a God of all might and power and glory and all. There is none like him anywhere in all of creation. As a matter of fact, I want to challenge you all this week in in thinking about humility and prayer. I want you all to write this down and read Job chapters 38, 39 and 40 this week. I was going to read it to you, but it's a lot. Job 38, 39 and 40. Read it this week. And as you read it, I want you to think about how we pray to God. You see, we don't worship some teeny tiny God. We are the teeny tiny ones. And we're just one of 6.5 billion people on this golf ball sized planet in this massive universe that our God has created. And though we are but a vapor and we are tiny and frail, we are marked by majesty We've been created in the very image of God who put this universe into place. We are fashioned and formed by the God of all creation. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. Psalm 139, verse 13 and 14, David said this. He says, for you created me, excuse me, you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. Now, if you don't believe that, I'm gonna pause for a second because I wanna tell you how you began. I'm going to tell you about your beginning. It happened like this. One cell from your mom and one cell from your dad found each other. There's more to that, but that's enough for right now. One cell from your mom met up with one cell from your dad and each one carrying 23 chromosomes got together. The one from your mom was carrying half of her DNA, the one from your dad half of his DNA. Those cells came together. Those two cells, they met and they merged into one single cell. You don't sound impressed. Then that cell did the unthinkable. It set out to build a model from those two things. And the chromosomes matched and they formed a brand new DNA code using four characteristics, four nucleotides as they are called. They began to write out what we discovered is the three billion character description of who you are. It's written in the language of God. To describe who God ordained you to be. In that one little simple cell, if you took the DNA out of that one cell and stretched it out, it would be six feet long from one cell. This right here, you may not find this photo in your family photo album, but this is you at 16 days old, or excuse me, at three days old. Um, There are 16 cells and they are on their way to make up the 75 trillion cells that are your body is that amazing? Three days old, that's you. And did you know there's so much DNA in your body, if it was stretched out, it would go to the moon and back 178,000 times. That's how amazing God is. 50,000 cells in your body die every three seconds, night and day, all of your life, and are regrown. No wonder some of you are tired all the time. If someone were to read your DNA, reading one character per second, night and day, it would take 96 years just to read out the DNA description of you. This stuff blows my mind. Right here, this next picture, this is another picture of you. I went and found it. This is you at five months in the womb. Look how cute you are. Five months. Now, here's something really cool. At five months in the womb, a million optic nerve endings left the optic nerve center of your brain and started traveling to the back of your eye. And at the same time, a million optic nerve endings from the back of your eye started traveling to your brain. And they met up just perfectly. They met their exact partner just how they created. Now, you may not be impressed with that, but let me tell you this. Last week, I had to change two outlets in our bathroom. Okay, Five wires. Negative, positive, negative, positive, and a ground. I messed it up. <laughs> I'm the guy. I had the, the negatives right, but I had the positives crossed. Why is this not working? Nothing caught on fire. It was okay. But I was like five wires, and I couldn't get it right. And I, I took one off and put it on the other. I like went from a million optic nerve endings coming from your brain and a million optic nerve endings coming from your eye Match up perfectly at five months in the womb and find their exact partner out of a million. And in that instant, you had sight. Anyone will tell you the most technically advanced thing on the planet is the human eye. And then at six months old, the miracle of eyelids occurred. And and it wasn't that one grew up and one grew down, it was that they just split right in the middle and they began functioning independently of one another cool is that you are fearfully and wonderfully made the god of the heavens who fashioned you together he knows your name he knows every single thing there is to know about you and he's made you a promise for those who give their life to him he will hold them in his hand and carry them all the days of their life that shrinking feeling comes over me again when i think about how we were created Psalm 33, 6 says this, By the word of the Lord the heavens were made, their starry hosts by the breath of His mouth. Verse 13 and 15 says, From heaven the Lord looks down and sees all mankind. From His dwelling place He watches all who live on earth. He who forms the hearts of all, who considers everything they do. And verses 18 through 19 say, But the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear Him, on those whose hope is in His unfailing love. To deliver them from the death, from death and keep them alive in famine. Who do we think we are knowing all this? Who do we think we are that we can make prayer deals with God? That we can tell God how to answer our prayers. That we can kind of boss Him around as we pray. Our God is a universe maker. He's a heart former. He's an optic nerve matcher. But He's also wants to be intimately acquainted with all of us and the circumstances of your life. I promise you this, that no matter what comes in this lifetime, no matter how difficult the road, no matter how dark the night, our great big God will hold on to you. And he will hold you together and he will carry you through any and every circumstance that ever comes your way at any moment on this planet. I promise you that. So let's do this. Let's stop telling God what to do and let's start listening to God and ask him what he would have us do. Again, I have to ask you, when you pray, where's your focus? Is it on the answer to your prayer or is your focus on the one who will provide the answer? And I've had people ask me, how do you know that God is going to be with me always and always hold me together when I I make this decision? If all this other stuff wasn't enough, I'm going to show you something else. We're going to look a little bit deeper into the human body. We're going to look at a protein molecule. It's a cell adhesion molecule. It's called laminin. It's like the rebar of the human body. This is a scientific drawing of laminin. You can look this stuff up. I'm not making this up just to prove a point. This is really when they draw it out, that's what it looks like. And it's kind of like the steel that they put into to concrete when they lay the foundation. That's what laminin is to us. It's in every part of our body. It's the stuff that's holding your membranes together. It's kind of the glue of the human body. And, it, and it's in the shape of the cross. I just think that's cool. I think it's, it's worth seeing. Colossians one 15 through 15-17 says, The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in Him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through Him and for Him. He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together." In him, all things hold together like laminin holds us together. Listen, you may be at the toughest point of your life, and, and you're thinking, How can you come to God in humility? There's so many other things going on. How can you know that God is holding you together? You can know because there is a cross standing over all of history. It's in the place where the star breather becomes the sin bearer, it's where the universe maker becomes our Savior. Stop telling God what to do. Approach your next time of prayer with humility. Let me tell you something real quick. The cross is proof that God doesn't always change the circumstances. So yes, you're going to endure some things that you may not understand. But he didn't change the circumstances for Jesus on that hillside outside of Jerusalem. But the cross is proof that God always has a purpose in the circumstances. It's proof that his purpose and his plan will prevail And his plan will triumph over any circumstance that happens in your life. Quit telling him what to do in your life. John 16, 33. Jesus says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. Does God see what you and I are going through? Yes, he does. And even when we let go of God, he's not letting go of us. This right here. This picture, this next picture, is the actual cell laminate under a microscope that's inside you all the time. There are millions and millions of microscopic crosses holding us together. We'll never not be carried by the strong hand of the universe making God. It's something to think about. I think it's a great visual. As we come to our response time this morning, it's going to be different than anything we've ever done. Tom is going to share a convenient thought with us here in just a second. And the response that we're looking for is how you will respond to answer the question, where's your focus? As you come to God, is, are you looking at the answer to your prayer for forgiveness and rededication? Or is your focus on the one who will provide the answer?
1: Psalm 50 says the mighty one, God, Yahweh has spoken and summoned the earth from the rising of the sun to its setting out of Zion, the perfection of beauty God has shown forth. May our God come and not keep silence. Fire devours before him, and it is very tempestuous around him he summons the heavens above and the earth to judge his people gather my godly ones to me those who have made a covenant with me by sacrifice and the heavens declare his righteousness for god himself his judge that's psalm 50 i would encourage you to read it later i just want to point out a couple things as you look at your golf ball, verse three says, says, may our God come forth and not keep silent out of Zion. The perfection of beauty God has shown forth. Jesus came from Zion, the perfection of beauty, the perfect son came forth. The message of his death, his burial resurrection came from Jerusalem He summons the heavens above and the earth to judge his people. He says, come and see. Look, look what I've done here. Come and see what I have done. And he says this. Gather my godly ones to me. Those who have made a covenant with me. By sacrifice. His sacrifice made it possible. For us to come to him. And he wants us to get it. And he calls us to sacrifice. He sent his son to die on the cross. That he calls us and he says. Come. Take up your cross. And follow me. This morning we're going to take some time and remember His broken body and the shed blood. The last part of that verse is that it says they will, and the heavens declare His righteousness. The heavens declare, and they'll look at this little this little blue ball hanging in space. They say, "You know, God, you're right. You're right."
0: Pick up our bread. I want to encourage everyone to partake with us this morning and think on these things. Father God, we thank you for creation. We thank you that even as you were creating all these amazing things, we were still on your mind. And even as you created us, knowing that we would let you down, you still provided a way for us to be free from sin. And We thank you for that. Amen. Ooh, it's been great to be here this morning. To worship with you all. To share about just how big our God truly is. But now it's time to go. As you go this week. Look around you. See how great our God truly is. Consider the things we've talked about. Look into Job, like I said, and read through that. As you go out into this world with your families, with your friends, your bosses, your schools, your co-workers, consider all these things. And as you go to God in prayer this week, go with humility and focus on the one who answers our prayers. Will you sing this last song with us? Go ahead and stand.